Oh, thank you, Colin. Thanks, Katrina. Let's pray as we get in the word here. Father, you're good to us. Oh, that beautiful night. Uh, you would give yourself on a cross that we would have life, that you would defeat Satan, sin and death that day, that you would walk us into the promised land that day, that you would calm the storms that day on that cross. Our God humbling himself in order to save us. Uh, I pray we would not forget that. We would celebrate that and remember that. And that would be uh, our great mission, that others would know that good news. They have life in you. I uh, thank you for that. I pray you would be uh, moving in us today as we uh, step into your word, into Psalm 107, and that you'd use that to cause us to just want uh, to cling to you more and to help others do the same. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you. Uh, thanks again to Katrina for sharing and uh, Colin for leading us uh, in in singing. Um, and it's amazing how um, I, recently someone asked me, uh, hey, how's the thing going online? Uh, I said, yeah, I am amazed how much I can watch a video of someone leading our church in worship and I'm still moved. Like I actually do believe the spirit's moving and it in all of us, wherever we are at the same time through that, I, uh, it's been a good reminder uh, of how God can do that. Seems almost silly to say, but I'm encouraged by that. Um, as we uh, continue to move forward here in our service, uh, just a reminder again at the end of the sermon will be taking communion and actually at the end of our and then praying at the end of our service there will be an opportunity to um to hop on a zoom call if you want to connect and hang out just with a few more hope people actually talk uh to each other in that and so i'm going to post that link uh right now and then i'll do it again at the end but uh if you want to hop in uh that zoom call at the end we'd love to chat and uh, just get, catch up or, or meet maybe some new friends uh, I love uh, celebrating. It's I think it's something that's kind of built into me. But I uh, am one who wants to stop sometimes if we're if things are moving too fast and say, "Hey, let's not forget what has happened." And that's not uh, sometimes that's not helpful, right? Like, hey, we got to keep moving. We can't just keep celebrating. I think it's also because I like to have a reason, maybe just to grab a donut or a. Uh, get some ice cream or hang out with friends. Um, and uh, this week uh, marks a really great celebration um, that, I, that I've only known for a few years in my life and uh, many have known for a long time, but I, I think it's a sweet celebration. And I love that we're in Psalm 107 today, which is a song of kind of celebration. Um, and this week we get to celebrate uh, something special. Um, there's a lot of reasons why we celebrate, to remember, to encourage, to even inspire, sometimes to kind of reorient our vision. That celebration also reminds us of what's important. We're celebrating what was important. And often I remember, I think I've stopped to celebrate and I think, oh, yeah, yeah, the things are happening. God's doing stuff. Or I, I, this is what we're supposed to be doing. It often reminds us of what's important. And on Friday, on June 19th, is Juneteenth. Uh, I know some of you 
know this holiday. And so we maybe aren't aware of it. Also called Freedom Day or originally often was called Jubilee Day. Juneteenth celebrates the day that the last enslaved people in America were free. On June 19th, 1865, in Galveston, Texas, a U.S. general uh, proclaimed to slaves there that they are actually free, actually announced the Emancipation Proclamation. And if you know your history, that is uh, two and a half years actually after the Emancipation Proclamation was proclaimed, was was set up. Um, it, it was hard to enforce that. In fact, a civil war was going on in our country, and so many places weren't willing to enforce that. It was slow and it was stopped, and depending on the region or even just the geographic reach, it was hard to to let people know you're actually free. Can you imagine finding out that you were actually free two and a half years earlier? Well, this is uh, far down on the uh, on the southern Texas, and so that was the last place to reach and hear the news. There was no Twitter or or uh, you know Facebook or emails or ways to get that information, or there were people that didn't want that information spread, but immediately celebrations occurred, obviously. That would make sense, right? And each year since then, there have been celebrations of um, Juneteenth, originally often called Jubilee Day. Um, And these celebrations often happen in churches. Churches are one of the only places that African Americans were allowed to gather, even uh, as uh, enslaved people, but also even after Because um, we know in our history that even though the Emancipation Proclamation happened, uh, African Americans in our country still really did not have many rights. They they weren't allowed to gather except in a church, just them. Um, Still segregated. They weren't allowed to vote, read, or hold positions of leadership. And so the church really was the place of community. And so that was the place uh, these celebrations grew up because that's where people were already gathering to worship. That was one of the reasons why Jubilee Day was was what it was called in the beginning, because they were celebrating and remembering the day of Jubilee that we hear in Scripture is this day where all things reset, where all people are free. In fact, in the year of Jubilee in Scripture is supposed to be a time when uh, if you had slaves, they were now like uh, released and it was reset and they were free. And so it was originally called that out of these uh, church members who met to celebrate this day of their freedom. The celebrations kind of continued uh, in Texas and other parts of the country a little bit. In in, uh, in 1898, so years after that, 30 years after that, 30,000 people gathered in Limestone County, Texas to celebrate Juneteenth. Like this was, it's the Freedom Day. How exciting is that? It grew around the country for years uh, there was ebbs and flows of it growing, eventually it being called Juneteenth, which is a combination of June and 19th. In 1951, 70,000 people attended just one of the celebrations in Texas. And by that point, other cities around the country were having Juneteenth celebrations. Um, these uh, celebrations grew even more and it became a lot more popular and a lot more important during the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. These were celebrations all over the country at that point, not just celebrating a freedom, but working together in that moment to continue to fight for justice and peace and um, 
equality in in our country. You could see why the civil rights movement would kind of rebirth this excitement to uh, have this and this need to, to celebrate Juneteenth. In 2006, 200 cities had Juneteenth celebrations all over the country. There's been one in Minneapolis for many years. Today, 47 states actually recognize it as a state holiday or a, a, a ceremonial holiday. Some businesses actually, just this week, businesses were announcing uh, that they're giving their employees Juneteenth off uh, as, a, as a paid holiday. If you're wondering out of those 47 states, Minnesota is one of those states. In 1996, we officially made that a holiday. There is a celebration that happens in the Twin Cities. Uh, all the celebrations this year, most of them are are virtual, but if you look online, you could find all sorts of virtual celebrations that will have people give lectures and music and all sorts of things, which is part of that celebration. These people come together to celebrate all sorts of things. The people who fought for freedom, abolitionists, they sing songs together. They eat a lot of food together. Everything I've read about Juneteenth always says, of course, there's lots of good food. I can't imagine how good that food is. It's like the best cookout of the year. There's lectures often on American, uh, African-American history, and not just history from slavery on, but before that, their rich history uh, in Africa and uh, all of the brave and smart and creative people who have come or African-American. This is an opportunity for them to not only celebrate, but encourage young African-Americans to be proud of their history and see a rich strong history. A phrase that is often used in recent Juneteenth celebrations is that it's a reason to get together to celebrate and to educate and to agitate. And so Juneteenth is a time where we see these three things happen. I think these are interesting words because it's something we're going to see in the psalm today. Uh, they're used to celebrate what has happened and, and the goodness of being free um, to educate, to help people understand uh, the past, but also know the future and the current state of what's going on with a time right now to, to better understand the actual place of an African-American in our culture. And if that's really what we want and um, agitate comes next, and that's almost a, a future looking thing, not ag agitate like, um, like maybe a parent would say, uh, my kid agitates me, but uh, stirring up, right? A, Maybe this isn't the place you want to be. Can we, uh, oftentimes there might be a protest or a sit-in or something connected to the Juneteenth celebration to remind people that we still aren't in the place we want to be. There is there still really truly freedom and equality amongst African-Americans and others in the United States. So I, I like this idea, this, what if we meet to celebrate and educate and learn, remember uh, how things are and, and what they could be and then agitate, kind of stir up, um, and, and think what could be, uh, is it really where we want to be? And so I, I want us to think in that, in those terms, as we look at, um, our Psalm, encourage you this week though, to find a Juneteenth celebration. I'll send out some, uh, more resources on that this week. Um, but there's lots of opportunities. Even if you just can tune in to a virtual one on Friday, or I know this whole weekend, the whole next weekend, there'll be things, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to learn and, and to celebrate uh, emancipation. I, this is how I want us to picture, though. What I just explained, I want us to picture Psalm 107. I want us to picture us in a backyard cookout. There's tents. 
There's kids running around. There's the smell of barbecue in the grill. Oh, yeah, there's brats and burgers and some some barbecue chicken on the grill. There's just heaps of food, a feast on a table. So much food you can't sit down at the table. You have to hold a paper plate and balance it while you're trying to eat. There's music playing and friends gathered. Uh, this is in our imagination. So you're close to your friends. There's no mess. We're just gathered together. Um I mean, you, you, it's loud and it's fun and there's music. There's a celebration going on and you hear someone yell out, give thanks to the Lord. And someone else across the yard yells, he's good. And someone else yells, his love endures forever. And someone says, yes, he's good. Give thanks to him. His love endures forever. forever. And then as you're gathered with friends, someone stands up on a chair and they, they remember a story. They add a story about how God's enduring love provided us with something to eat, a, a way to laugh, a reason to celebrate. And then someone else says, oh, that was good. Remember, though, when God did this. And then someone else from across the patio says, yes, oh, and remember this. And every time they tell a story, everyone yells out, give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His love endures forever. This is where Psalm 107 begins, and this is what is happening in Psalm 107. Oh, now I start with Psalm 90. Last week we looked at Psalm 90, and it ends with establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is like a what do we need to go do? Lord, show us what we need to go do. And I want to I share that because I think this psalm uh, gives us the power. It fuels us to do that and gives us direction in, in what to do that. And so we begin Psalm 107 with this, this proclamation. Someone at the party says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north to south. You, you picture this? People are are like, this is why we're gathered, because our God is good, and he is forever, and his love is forever. We must give him thanks. His love doesn't end. Just the first verse of this seems to be the great announcement, and the thing we're going to hear over and over as people begin to share stories of how good our God is. And not only remember, but also educate and, in a way, encourage us to agitate our own lives and maybe others' lives, to mix them up, to shake them up a little bit, maybe shake out the worship of other things and continue to fill that in with the worship of God. I love this, so it says, just this phrase, if I woke up each day and remember this, I want to give thanks to God, be grateful for God. Why? Because he's good and his love endures forever. It doesn't end. He is limitless. He's not going anywhere. And do you see in verse 3, he, he's gathered us from east and west and north to south. Those words east and west and north and south are, are geographical directions, but they actually uh, have this fuller um, meaning of like anything in that direction and anything in that direction and as far as you could imagine in that direction and as far as you can imagine that direction. From east and west and north and south is saying, there is no one and nothing out of the reach of God. His love reaches 
endlessly, limitlessly in all directions. Just to start out, we were, were reminded, God, wherever I am, whoever I am, however deep in a hole I am, however far I've run from you, I cannot get away from you and your love. Which is good news. And we, and we end with that, right? We say, your love endures forever. And then your friend stands on a chair and he says, oh, remember the time. And so we look at verse four. Remember the time some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle? Remember this wandering in wastelands? They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight path to a city where they could settle. They went from living in wasteland, nomads in a desert, hungry and thirsty, their lives ebbing away, just fading out. They cried out to God and our God in his never ending love delivered them, delivered them not just pull them out of a desert, but then establish them as a community in a city that they could settle and be settled in. From hungry and thirsty to settled in a community, full bellies, right? So how does this, someone share? Remember that? Remember we were in the desert and wastelands and they say, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Yes, he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. This is quoted. Verse 9 of Psalm 107 is quoted in another song in Scripture. The song is when Mary, Jesus' mother, finds out that she is about to have the Savior of the world, that the one who's coming to rescue us from our hunger and our thirst, from death, from sin is, is in her belly, and she cries out in a song. She goes to see her, her cousin, Elizabeth, and, and cries out in this song of joy. And one of the things she says is, I am thankful that you've come because you're going to fill the hungry with good things. She just quotes a bunch of psalms. Um, it's like her own little mixtape of psalm quotes. And one of them is that you have come to fill the hungry with good things. So our God is one who fills the hungry with good things. We also hear, right, we remember the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with just a loaf of bread and some fish. But we also remember that Jesus has come not only to feed us physically, but spiritually nurture us when we are in deserts. We are hungry and thirsty spiritually when we are just fading away. He has come to give life in our hearts. But, but as that story ends, we can't just stop there because someone stands up across the yard and says, yeah, but do you also remember that some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. Remember this when we sat in darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because... We rebelled against God. We turned from him. It's one of those moments where there's a sin of the people uh, who are in iron chains and the people who have put them in the iron chains. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled 
and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Again, in this place of as prisoners, oppressed, enslaved, held captive. And they cried out to God and he saved them in their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through iron bars. Yeah, he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through iron bars. Things that were captured by, suffered, suffering in the bondage and the chains that have imprisoned us sometimes by other people around us and sometimes by ourselves because we've chosen gods that do not fulfill us and in fact enslave us. And we become caught in them and we can't break out of them and we have to cry out to God and he saves us. This is what Jesus even says. Jesus is born of Mary and when he is old enough, he begins his ministry. He's Baptized, if you remember, by John the Baptist, who actually was um, also in the womb of Elizabeth in that moment when Mary was singing. John, who was just there in the room with him, later they grow up, and as they're adults, he goes to John, and John baptizes him in a river, and he goes into the wilderness, into the desert wasteland, and Satan tempts him. And when he comes out of there, the first thing he does is go to his home, and he he um, speaks in, in his synagogue, and he shares... Um, from Isaiah 61, and listen to these words. He said, this is my mission now. I'm starting my mission. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus talking, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, the hungry, and has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you hear those words? To proclaim freedom for the prisoner and to set the oppressed free. Jesus says, my mission is to come and set those who are imprisoned free. And he does. I, he, he does and calls us to do that physically in our in our world. And he, he does that through people in the world, but also spiritually in even a greater level, we've been bound by Satan and our sin and he comes and breaks us free. And as we stop to even celebrate that at our party and we look around the room, someone else goes, yeah, don't forget that some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. This is the passage that um, Katrina shared earlier. Some people became foolish. They turned away from wisdom and turned to anything other really than God for their hope, for life. Become fools in that. And they became rebellious. And because of that rebellion, they suffered, right? And so they're suffering. They loathed all food and drew near to the gates of death. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. See the pattern again? Remember when we were fools and we turned from God? But his love endures forever. And so he even came to rescue us from that when we cried out to him. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. We were on a march to the grave at the gates of death, about to open the gates and walk into death. And God grabs us and pulls us away and rescues us. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Remember this? Almost as if the whole party erupts. We must give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings, 
and tell of his words with songs of joy. Let us sacrifice to him. Let's turn ourselves, repent, and turn to God um, and sing words of joy. He sent out his word and healed them and rescued them from the grave. Not only has God given life to those in the desert and wasteland, not only has he rescued and freed us from the prison of sin, God has also sent his word and healed us and saved us from death. The burden, the weight of death. You could say, oh, it's nice that while I'm here on earth, I don't, I don't have to worry if people love me because God loves me. I don't have to worry about my spiritual nourishment because God gives me that. But I still have to be worried about death, this looming thing over my head forever. Nope. Someone just, no, we also know death has no power over us either. We hear this in Ephesians 2. This, this great reminder, almost a, another rephrasing of this psalm. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now is at work in those who, dis, who are disobedient. All of us lived, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its de desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is the beginning of that psalm, right? We have turned from God, we become rebellious and foolish, and we've just gratified our flesh, done what we feel like is right. We just follow our hearts to, to uh, all of its desires. And what's that lead us to? It leads us to death. we marching our way to the gates of death, deserving the wrath of God. And so the wrath of God is coming down at us, and it says here, it doesn't get to us. Because of his great love for us, this enduring love that we're celebrating today at this tasty cookout, his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ when we are dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. The, the wrath of God is coming and Jesus steps in the way and takes that on for us. And not just takes it on, he dies and then he rises and we rise with him and have life. He has rescued us from the grave. And we don't even have time to celebrate that because someone else stands up on a bucket in the corner of the party and says, yeah. Also, don't forget that someone out, some, some went out on the, the sea in ships and there are merchants in the mighty waters. And they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They, they mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths in their peril. Their courage melted away. They reared and, and staggered like drunkards. They're at their wit's end. When they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, he brought them out of distress. They're in a, can you imagine the ship? Remember we were like, as if we were in a ship and there was a storm and the waves were coming over and it was so chaotic and so crazy and the storm felt like it was going to take us over. And even if we made it through that storm, another storm came. And remember that? But again, what did we do? We cried out to our God. Did we, did we read some books and figure out how to be better navigators? No. Did we just figure out how to make more food for ourselves? No. Did we rescue ourselves from the gates of death? No. We cried out again to the Lord in their trouble in verse 28 here. And what did God do? He brought them out of it. Our God endures forever. He still the storm to a whisper. Imagine this. You're in a boat. The waves are coming. You're, you're like, we're done. We're, we're goners. And in a whisper, he stills the storm. The waves of the sea are hushed from this. 
this theme in scripture, when you hear about seas and, and wavy seas, this is this image of, of darkness and death and the kingdom of darkness. We see this in the beginning of Genesis where God brings order to chaos. He's done it again. And they were glad that it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, his wondrous deeds for mankind. Again, right? The whole party erupts. Let us give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wondrous deeds. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Amen. We have a God who calms us, who calms the seas in our life, the storms in our life. We see the same thing happen in scripture where Jesus is on a boat. Remember this story? This is a classic kid story, right? You have to make a little uh, construction paper picture of this. Jesus, remember he's sleeping in the boat and, he, and the waves are coming and they're scared they're going to die and he comes out and he says two words, be quiet. I, I remember reading the be quiet and often if you study that, a question often comes up is, do you think he yelled, be quiet? Like, be quiet. Or did he whisper, be quiet? Reading Psalm 107, I wonder if he whispered it. I wonder if he just said, be quiet. I mean, almost, you almost can't hear it. He needs no, no power in that big booming voice. I don't know if he had a big booming voice. Because he controlled all of creation. And in that moment, he can say, be quiet. You know what happens? In Mark 4 is the story of Jesus calming the storm, saying, be quiet to a storm. But the, the next thing that happens, that boat, the, the sea is calm. That boat arrives to land, and the first thing they encounter is a man who is possessed by a demon. And the way they explain a possession of a demon seems like a storm has been brewing in this man's heart, in his soul, for a long time. In fact, in Mark 1, we see the same thing happen a demon-possessed man, a spiritual chaos and storm in this man's heart, in his mind, in his body is taken over. You know the words that Jesus uses when he approaches these men? It says, he says to them, be quiet. And in both cases, just the words of Jesus causes the demon, the kingdom of darkness to move out of their lives and peace brought to these men. Not only can Jesus calm an actual storm, but even greater the spiritual storms in our hearts and our lives. The battle over your soul has been won. And Jesus says, be quiet. Everyone cheers at the party, right? You, you grab another drink and we cheer them together. And then someone just says, we cannot forget how good this God is. And they just uh, share all of those things together. Almost an overwhelming summary of all that God is and has done. He's turned the rivers into uh, he's turned rivers in, into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground, the fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. Uh, remember that these people, there was rivers and now you're in deserts because of your choices. He turned the river into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they found a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards. They yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them and their numbers greatly increased and he did not let their herds diminish. Do you hear of all this? They've come together and they've settled almost like the garden again language. Again in the city together to live fruitful, bellies full, blessed, no longer worried of things falling apart. 
Then their numbers decreased, and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours out contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families with flocks. It reminds us of this cycle that happens. That we become fools and rebel and turn from God. And then God rescues us and brings us back, right? He feeds us. He frees us. He rescues us from death and he calms the storms in our lives and welcomes us into the family in his city. And then we often turn from God. And you know, if this story continued, it would have the same cycle again. We though can turn to our God because our God has love that endures forever. So how does the psalm end? The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Those who seek God, upright here just... The ones who turn to God and, and see his goodness and his love that en endures forever, they see it and they rejoice, they celebrate, but the wicked's shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Let the one who is wise, instead of being foolish, ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. How important is for us to celebrate, but also ponder, almost words of educating, right? This, if we're going to think to celebrate, educate, agitate, I think in this psalm, we have an opportunity to celebrate what God's done, but also remember and be educated on when we turn from God, things lead to death. They lead to hunger. They lead to chaos and storm. And we can turn back to God. He's a loving God whose love endures forever and we can turn back to him. Now think about the beginning of this. First, often our psalms have these great bookends. Um, I think if I'm lost sometimes in a psalm, I read the first part and the last part. Okay, this is what they want me to see. Remember the beginning of this? Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. I think what this psalmist is, one of the things they're trying to get us to see is if we want to be here, if I want to Wake up in the morning and be someone who says, thank the Lord, he is good, and his love endures forever. Then I have to be a person who does this. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the love and deeds of the Lord. When I stop to celebrate, remember what God has done. Think of just those four stories that were shared at the cookout, right? That he's fed us, that he's rescued us from death, that Christ went to a cross and died so that you could be alive and fed and the storms in your soul can be calmed by his two words, be quiet. Those things lead us to be people who give thanks to the Lord and remember that he is good. And not just that, but let's think all the way back to Psalm 90, establish the work of our hands, establish the work of, of our hands. If we want it that, we must start at the beginning of this. We start with remembering who God is celebrating that, that celebration comes out in this giving thanks to God for he is good and his love endures forever. And that moves us towards stirring things up. That leads us to moving in to injustice and, and the hungry and those marching towards death's gates and saying, wait, 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 wait. We want to bring you to life. We want to bring you to the one who brings these good things. If we skip one of these things, then we start just saying, hey, 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 wait, you're marching towards death's door. Um, you should hang out with me. I think I can save you. 
or this other thing can save you, right? Just being, being a great person will cause the storms to go away. But instead, if we start with celebrating who God is, remembering and educating ourselves who he is, then we get to be people who move out and we get to agitate the kingdom of darkness. And agitate is not even a strong enough word, right? We get to go in and push back the kingdom of darkness in our communities. We get to remember two important things as I we end here. That these stories that are yelled and celebrated and cheered for at our barbecue, our cookout today, are stories that remind you of very important things about yourself first. That whatever you've done, there is forgiveness. That God's reach is far enough that you cannot outrun him or hide from him or he cannot find you when you're lost. That wherever you've gone, God can reach you. However hungry you are, there is food. However dry and wasted you feel, there is a river of life. However lonely you are, there is a family. However crushed you are, there is healing. However blessed you become and proud, there is humbling. And however afflicted you are, there is healing. That we can remember and celebrate a God who delivers us and brings us home into the city of his people, into his family. Not only that, friends, we can remember that there are many, many people looking for those things who are hungry, imprisoned, walking towards death in storms, and we get the opportunity to share our stories of freedom in Christ. And that this story of freedom is worth telling. And there's people waiting for that good good news today. I encourage us as we end here, we're about to enter a time of, of communion to remember what Christ has done and celebrate that together. So this is the big finale of our cookout today. As we remember that, let us not forget that this is not just for us, but for all people. And so we get the opportunity today to think about who do we know who, who, who needs to know that there's healing. And there's forgiveness and there's love and there's nourishment. And we get the opportunity not just to physically do that with those around us, but to spiritually bring that great news to those around us. Let me pray for us. Uh, and then we're going to take communion together um, and pray. So if you want to start sharing some prayer requests, please do that in the comments um, so we can pray for you. But let me just, I, I feel like praying. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to take some communion, grab your communion supplies Lord, you are good. Your love endures forever. Forever. You are good and your love endures forever. Help my heart actually believe that so I turn to you and not other things, thinking they're good, thinking that their love actually endures forever. Help me turn to you, the one who has rescued us, who has freed us, who has defeated death and sin, who can say, be quiet, and calm storms. Lord, help us move towards you. And Lord, I pray that, that even today, this week, you would put people in our way that we'd have an opportunity to share our stories of redemption, our stories of forgiveness, that we could say, hey, do you know that God did this in my life? I pray that you'd use um, this week, use us to help others know that there's good news. Amen.